Welcome to Research Realized, the podcast on advancing university innovation. On Research Realized, we interview thought leaders who are shepherding cutting-edge research from the academic lab through the valley of death. Welcome to Research Realized. I'm Kirsten Leute of Osage University Partners. Today I'm speaking with Steve Albers, the Associate Director for Launchpad, the startup program at CSU Ventures, which is the Technology Transfer Office for Colorado State University. Steve leads all the startup programming for Launchpad and engages daily with CSUV startup companies to ensure the best chance of success. Steve is also the co-director of the Ambassador Program at CSUV, a training program that helps grad students and postdoctorals better understand the process of commercializing innovative technology originating from CSU. Steve is also co-founder and CTO of Living Inc. Technologies, a tech startup that generates renewable pigments from algae and other microbes capable of replacing petroleum-derived pigments. Our conversation will concentrate on Steve's work at Launchpad. Steve, welcome to our program. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. We're really, really pleased to talk with you today. Could you start off by giving us some background on CSU Ventures Launchpad? What does it offer, offer and how does it operate? Sure, yeah, so um, Launchpad is a unit of CSU Ventures, the tech transfer office uh, at CSU. Um, and um, the sole mission of Launchpad is to support um, our founders, so CSU members, as well as external parties that are interested in leveraging CSU and technology uh, to be incorporated into a startup company. Um, it's a program that's really focused around evaluation. So what we're trying to really help our, um, our members understand is, is sort of the, the biggest hurdles associated with starting a company and how to approach the right hurdles at the right time. So most of our technology that comes out of CSU is very early stage, as I'm sure um, everyone that's listening to this can understand. And um, we work with uh, mostly inventors that are faculty at, at CSU. And so really trying to help them understand what it's going to take to get a uh, technology into the market via a startup and um, what are the most pressing needs at these very early stages is really the core of, of what Launchpad does. Um, and then we, we add on top of it um, an evaluation process so that the founders and um, the members of CSU that are engaged with us can really understand this process a little deeper. Um, and it is an iterative process as well, um, which I think is important. So we, um, we really focus on evaluating and then trying to identify the support for the most pressing needs and going back and evaluating again and, and finding new support for the most pressing needs once we've sort of mitigated those, those initial needs and, um, and wash and repeat. And so really the focus is um, to, to try to understand how we increase the likelihood of success for startups through uh, a couple different things. So we, we try to make sure that we're uh, understanding how we improve the founder experience, really understand the most pressing needs um, and, and work alongside the founders and business drivers to develop these strategies to move forward. So a lot of it is uh, about understanding what the founders need and how they understand this process, but also uh, identifying the most pressing needs within the startup 
and trying to find the right resources, whether they're internal to CSU Ventures or external. Um, you know, most of our resources come from the front range of Colorado and, um, and trying to match those resources to the need. Great. You know, mentioning those, those pressing needs, are there common pressing needs that you find with these startup companies and, and what are the resources that you're typically bringing in to address those? Sure. So, um, you know, there, there are um, usually a, a very pressing need of, of funding for this derivation on, their, on the research that they're doing, right? Academic institutions are doing research to shine the light on science, right, and, and, and help society understand, um, you know, cancer or physics or, you know, uh, um, um, mechanical engineering principles. And that doesn't relate to commercialization that well. And so um, they know how to go out and get academic funding, but how do they go out and get funding that helps them push this commercial needle uh, um, in the right direction? And so funding, of course, is always a big issue. Uh, and team is always a big issue as well, right? Uh, many of the startup founders are faculty at Colorado State University. And uh, I won't pull any punches by saying that, you know, a uh, uh, Academic job is a is a a, a really great gig, um, and um, most of our founders, you know, when when uh, confronted about actually leaving their job at CSU and working for the startup, will say, honestly, I'm never going to leave that job. I worked really hard to get it. It's a great job. It's got great benefits. Uh, you have a lot of freedom, and so I'm not going to leave it. And so, team becomes one of these really really uh, pressing needs. The other thing that I'll say too is that um, you know market validation is unbelievably critical too, and and that does relate to so the, the principles at an academic institution, right? We're shedding light on science. We're not understanding what the customers need in the marketplace, and so most of our startups come to us saying, "I've got this really cool widget. I think it will do some good um, in a commercial space, but I don't have the slightest clue where." Uh, where to take it, why they need it, what attributes are really important in the product um, that need to be included to enter a specific market. market. And so, um, yeah, team market validation and funding usually are, are some of the most pressing. Yes, I, that we hear that obviously from a, a lot of places and, and the team one especially uh, it can, can be a big challenge. Um, and, and you know, you had mentioned earlier the, the, the CSU uh, community. Um, how do you pull, um, pull that, perhaps that talent and the funding, et cetera, from the, the community that you work with? And could you also talk about, I mean, is there an alum, alumni effort also that you work with as well? Yeah, no, those are great questions. Um, you know, the way we approach this is um, sort of in, in, a, in a stepwise process. Let me first say that, you know, we're in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is 50 miles north of, of Denver and, you know, 45 miles uh, northeast of Boulder. So um, we don't have sort of the firepower of industry that, that the Denver metro area has, but we're growing rather quickly. And I think we've become quite an, a destination for folks that are interested in, in sort of uprooting and, and, and going to a fun place that seems to be growing. So there's, there's more and more opportunity for finding the right type of team members and the right type of business support in uh, Fort Collins, but there, it's still sort of uh, uh, on the lean side. And so one of the things that we feel very strongly about is um, working to help our teams set up the ask really well, 
right? And so what are the asks is, do you understand the market, right? If if we bring in someone who's a business driver, who's had a successful career in starting companies in a specific market, you know, that's going to be one of their biggest questions. And most of our founders, when uh, pressed about the business case and the market case, um, really don't know what to say. And so we've really started pushing into um, developing programs that support our startups understanding of their target market. Um, and um, that's been pretty fun. So that's an internal support program that we've really spent a lot of time working on. And I think we've gotten a lot of traction. Um, that in turn helps us understand where the best funding opportunities are, right? And so we've, we've really focused on trying to understand our funding uh, opportunities for uh, technologies in this space. And of course, that usually falls into the SBIR space. Um, you know, I, I don't think um, it's a mistake that uh, SBIR calls themselves the um, seed fund, America's seed fund. Um, and it, it is a really important critical piece uh, for emerging technologies out of the university that are interested in commercialization. We also uh, have some state resources that help us do that. So we feel like if we can pull the market validation, the funding comes a lot easier because you can tell a compelling story about commercialization. And if the funding is starting to look right, um, you know, pulling the right team together um, seems to fall in place a lot easier. Uh, we don't have a ton of success stories because, you know, Launchpad is only a couple of years old and we've really been building this in sort of an organic matter. But we think we're getting some really good traction in terms of that strategy. So focusing on market validation, focusing on funding, and then seeing how we pull the right team together. Excellent. One of the things you mentioned was, you know, uh, this training that you're providing to the faculty and the researchers. You know, I know that the, the faculty and the researchers are being pulled in a lot of directions and there's, you know, there's the time commitment associated with this. Um, how do you find that that works with getting them uh, to commit the time that is needed, obviously, to help them, you know, pursue this technology further, uh, get that market validation that you mentioned? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, you know, one of the things that we've done in some of the programs we run is really make sure that we're bringing a team to the table for each technology. And um, it, that relates to, you know, usually a faculty member um, that's an inventor on the technology, but we're also trying to pull on grad students and postdocs and research associates, things like that, um, that, you know, people like that, that can actually come and help push the opportunity forward, right? Faculty do an inordinate number of jobs at the university on a daily basis, and we're asking them for another. And so we have to be sensitive with their time. Um, but we also recognize that, you know, to get a technology to move forward, um, they're going to need to be a part of it, but they also need to start recognizing that they can lean on others for support. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the lessons that we try to teach them through this team process is really saying, hey, we understand that you're not going to be able to attend all these. So you need to build a team. And whether it is, a, you know, a, a V1 of a team, you know, sort of attach interim tags to all of the members that are participating. It gives the faculty members the ability to sort of keep all those balls up in the air that they have at the university as well as this. And I think it really helps those faculty understand the value of team. Um, and um, that, I think, has been very helpful in, in really slowly progressing our faculty towards that position. 
of understanding what the value of a team is and understanding sort of the challenges that they're going to face if they really want to push the uh, technology through a startup. And so um, that's been a pretty uh, successful strategy for us as we, as we uh, um, develop these programs to support mm -hmm. our startups. Yeah. I can, I can imagine so. And as an academic founder yourself as, of a startup company, can you talk about what you in particular learned as making that leap from an academic, academician to an entrepreneur? Um, you know, what lessons have you learned that you're now bringing to this program too? Yeah, you know, I think what, you know, my experience has been interesting, right? I, I have very uh, colorful background. You know, I got a, a bachelor's at CSU and and plant disease and then um, left and, and went in, and got a teaching certificate and a master's in education from the U University of Illinois and um, taught high school science for quite a few years and then came back and got my PhD. Um, and in the middle of that started a, a startup and started working at, at venture. So it was, it's sort of, you know, I think it's, it's the tenacity piece that, that um, I think I, I bring to, um, the opportunity and, and the understanding of, of what it takes for startup founders to, to move through that space. Um, it also is a, a fun, it's fun to have that background because it helps me understand the type of people that we work with, right? I was sort of in the trenches getting a PhD in cell and molecular biology. And so I can, I can sort of channel those personalities, I feel pretty well. And, and my colleague here at Ventures that helps with Launchpad, Terry Opkinorth, Terry uh, has his PhD, went into industry for quite a while and, and then came back. And, and it's a fun sort of play between the two of us, right? Is I get to channel the, the researchers sort of behaviors and, and needs and wants. Um, and he gets the channel the other side. I think that's a really important piece that uh, we've been able to bring to the table. The other piece, you know, as an entrepreneur um, that went from an academician, academician from an, uh, to an entrepreneur was, um, there has to be opportunity, right? I think that's one of those things that is really challenging to identify in an early stage startup. The people trying to push that boulder up the hill, so to speak, have to see an opportunity there. Um, and so really trying to identify who we're really spending our meager resources on um, that may see the technology and the startup as a, as an opportunity is really important. And, and, um, like I said, you know, working at CSU is, is great. You know, working at a, a higher ed institution, you know, once you get through sort of those initial hurdles, um, there are, of course, substantial challenges to it, but it's a pretty cool gig to, you know, drive research, run a lab, teach, um, um, you know, be able to sort of take some time every so often to really reflect on, on the work you're doing. And so, when we, you know, say, hey, this startup is going to be really challenging and, uh, you know, let me tell you about the blood, sweat and tears I've poured into this, you know, some of those faculty members say thanks, but no thanks. And I think that's a really important piece to identify what opportunities can move forward. So, uh, you know, all of that experience that I've gotten from going from an academic to an entrepreneur, I think helps me really understand what people are going through and how to help them more effectively, mm -hmm. but also how to call the right traits, you know, and to right. say, hey, you know, you, you passed the sniff test. I really like this. Or, you know, if I shake the tree hard enough, I know you're going to say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right in my job the way it is right now. So thanks, but no thanks. So that's, I think, right. one of the most important components. 
So I imagine that actually a lot of our listeners are, are going to be interested in, in this conversation in part because they're either, they have their own programs, that they're looking at creating their own programs by like Launchpad. And I know that you said, you've, you know, you've only been around for um, a couple to a few years. What are the actual origins of Launchpad and, and how does Launchpad get funded? Sure. Yeah. So the origins of Launchpad were really sort of the structure of the of the office that we have here at CSU Ventures. We sort of have um, licensing directors that manage technologies cradle to grave, and uh, which meant if a technology came in that was interested in the startup, it would go to a licensing director and they would sort of manage it the way the best way they saw fit. Um, and that was there was there was a challenge in terms of PR around that, right? Um, there are reasons, many many reasons, why startups fail, um, and many good reasons. And um, you know, it it happened often. A lot of our startups would fail, and the licensing directors were making good calls on these, but they were doing it in their own way. And so it looked like a one-off process, right? So startup founder from the university would run into another startup founder from the university and talk about their experiences, and they may be very different. And the outcome could be the same. They both, you know, the technology didn't progress through the startup, but they'd come up with their own conclusions because um, our, our transparency in our process wasn't uh, really good. And so what we said was, well, let's take the best fit practices from all our licensing directors and the entire process of starting a company and let's throw it in the launch pad. And so um, I would say that the origins of launch pad were somewhat of a PR play, right? If, hey, if you're interested in a startup, we have a process for you. And, you know, if you're going to work on a startup, you're going to connect with Terry and myself and not through the licensing directors. And I think that's helped sort of say, hey, we understand how to approach this and we understand the needs and we understand what, what the founders are looking for. And so it really started that way. It was really an internal process that Todd Headley, our, our president at Ventures, um, um, supported, which was really exciting, right? He's sort of given us the support to um, really think about this uh, for several years before we started throwing it out to the to world. But I think it's helped. People understand that if you're working on a startup, you're working through Launchpad, that there's a process of evaluation and support through Launchpad. And um, it's been very helpful. We are lean, so, you know, we're internally funded. But, you know, when we talk about funding, there is a state opportunity uh, called a proof of concept grant fund um, that the state supports, and that goes through Launchpad. So at some level, the state is getting involved in this as well and in supporting um, uh, CSU and our ambitions to run startups. Great. And I imagine though that a number of our the institutions we work with probably don't have that state um, perhaps that that you know that state funding that state support. Um, but I'm wondering if there are other words of advice you could give to anyone who's looking to start a similar type of program. What should be what you know what are kind of the initial steps that they should look at uh, when when examining doing something like this? Sure, you know I think I think there's a couple things there. It's um, it's start small. Right. And, you know, really try to understand what types of, of value you can add faculty that are walking in the door that are starting wanting to start startups. And for us, it was really this education. Right. Let's get them to understand this process at a little deeper uh, um, level to to really be able to become organic advocates for others that are interested in starting companies on campus. Right. Faculty love to talk to faculty and and hold, they hold a lot of weight with each other. And so 
it was really it was, doing the right thing in a small way at first to help, you know, those initial faculty that are very entrepreneurial thinking and, and really savvy. We have some really great faculty here at CSU. Um, to help them understand this process and say, okay, so now they're, they're going through a process. Now they're starting to help me understand at a deeper level what it means to have a startup. The other thing that I would say is um, it's it really important to, to um, hire the right folks for the process, right? Um, you know, having myself in this position has been really valuable because um, I've, I've been where those folks are. Um, in terms of going through and getting a PhD, I have been where they want to be, right, in, in wrestling a startup and in, in raising millions of dollars of funds for a startup and keeping it alive for quite a while. Um, and so it, in Terry's the exact opposite, right? Terry's been in industry. He started companies um, um, at Abbott Labs and spun out, spun out startups at Abbott Labs. And um, has that that opposite uh, end of the spectrum, but I think it we play really well together, and so it really has been a good opportunity for the right people to come in and say, "Hey, it's not that I'm going to tell you to do something, founder, um, you know, CSU faculty. I'm going to help you understand this process because I've been through it, and I think that adds a lot of credence to sort of uh, what we're doing at Launchpad, and I think that's been a really critical piece our success. Yeah, making the right hires, no matter whether you're um, starting a new program at a university or you're involved in a startup or whatever it is, those that's really critical to the success, I think, of the program. Um, you mentioned about funding. Uh, you've mentioned it a few times. Could you go into some depth about the funding services that Launchpad offers to the startups that become sure. a part of it? Yeah, so, um, you know, one of the big funding areas that we focus on are SBIR, STTR, grants from the federal government. And while, you know, we're not interested in writing any of those grants for folks, we're also not interested in hiring anyone to write those grants for our, for our inventors. But what we are doing, and it has been a good model, is finding consultants that are proficient in SBIRS, TTR, and the federal government, and helping our inventors understand that process. Anybody who knows SBIRS, TTR uh, at the federal level is, is, knows that it's very diverse, right? The Department of Defense deals with SBIR unbelievably different than National Science Foundation, than NIH, than DOE. And so part of the game is really understanding the nuances associated with chasing some of those grants. Also, there's a fundamental shift in terms of the way you write a grant for SBIR compared to an academic uh, uh, research grant. And um, some people are, are, will discount that, but what we have found is that you know, hiring consultants to help our inventors understand that process from the writing process to you know, the engagement with the federal agencies has been critical. And I think that's helped a lot. The other piece is that um, we do get money from the state and um, we get to allocate that money for proof of concept grants to our faculty at CSU. What we've done this year is added a expectation that they go through our customer discovery market validation program, as well as attend um, commercialization workshops. And so really trying to say, if, you know, if we're going to give you some money to do commercialization, let's, let's train you up. Right, and let's help you understand the the nuances and the challenges associated with it. So it's been a sort of 
education around funding. And I think that's a really big piece. You know, um, we don't spend a ton of money out of our own budget for support for funding. You know, those consultants aren't that expensive. We do not see that many people applying for SBIR, but man, it, it's really valuable. And it's just, it's just been great. So there's a savvy way to fund, right? And it's sort of set people up to win funding and not go give them the funding yourselves. Um, we'd love to set up uh, our own fund to support some of our own startups. And we're looking into trying to figure out ways to do that here in the short term. But, um, you know, as we got started, it was really about using small amounts of money in our budget to help people uh, um, go secure that funding and really understand the market. Yeah. Steve, how does Launchpad work with the local investment and entrepreneur community in Colorado? So it's a, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so there are resources along the front range that are supporting startups and entrepreneurs. Um, they're usually further downstream than um, the opportunities that come in our door. And um, it, I think that's an important uh, observation at first is really to understand where in the process or in the pipeline our support um, uh, resources are. And uh, it's, that's been a, a really important learning lesson is to really drill down and say, okay, so um, what do you do? You know, who do you support? What, what are your metrics? What are your outcomes? And how do we source the right startups to work with you? Um, investment's a great uh, example, right? We have uh, Rockies Venture Club here in, in Colorado along the front range that um, invests in early stage startups. Well, their definition of early stage is much different than ours, right? We're further upstream, really trying to understand if there's an opportunity here uh, around a technology. And so really recognizing where they are and understanding when we should throw technologies their way has been really important. Another great resource that we have uh, on the front range is uh, Innisphere. It's a nonprofit incubator. Um, again, they provide business support and uh, potential funding to startups, but it's, you know, further downstream. So for them, great example, we have clearly identified that, you know, the type of company they want to work with is where they have a dedicated business. The startup has a dedicated business driver and either has revenue or a sniff at revenue. And that's very rare within our, our, our system. So what we've done is to work with them is to find out, you know, what they work with and, and who the right uh, connections are to make there, but also to bring those people in from those groups and talk to our startups, talk to our inventors and help them get the context of the resources, right? So that people understand when to go to Innisfere and why Innisfere is there or when to go to Rockies and why Rockies is there. And I think that really helps put our inventors, um, they, they, they have the right context for the support resources. So we are trying to uh, also build just more organic connection to our, our alumni at CSU. Um, that's, of course, always been a challenge. You know, alumni are, are leveraged a lot of different ways um, at, at CSU. And so we sort of have to get in line. But, you know, there's a lot of people that want to give back, a lot of people that have been very successful in startups and um, are alumni at CSU. And so we've been working with College of Business here at CSU to better understand how we connect with those people. 
Yeah, the alumni connections can be really powerful. And I think a lot of universities are that we work with at OUP are exploring those quite a bit more on how they can be working with their alumni. Yeah, it's a challenge, right? It's um, really trying to understand how um, you add value to those folks. So I'm a big advocate of customer discovery and, you know, trying to understand what alumni want out of an engagement with, with you know, tech transfer office is critical. Um, you know, they're usually uh, asked to give money to the university and, you know, I being a double alumni from CSU understand that all too well. Um, but it's, you know, what else can we provide? What else, what other resources can we, we provide them? What other services can we provide them where they walk away from the engagement with the tech transfer office saying, wow, that was really valuable. And I really had a, a great engagement because, you know, um, that sort of um, undercurrent of, of information through those networks is really critical. And, and that has been a, uh, I think, a savvy strategy that we've tried to take with with engaging with that population. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the you know the the old uh, I don't know if it's a VC adage or <laughs> what, but you know if you want advice, ask for money. If you want money, ask for advice. Um, that right. you know, yeah, yeah. engage people in other ways, um, they get more committed to the program, and then potentially will donate based off of that engagement. So yeah, it's that development and network, right? And you know we're all very complex individuals. We're all very complex organizations. So the more that people sort of understand the underpinnings of, of your interests, the underpinnings of the interests of CSU Ventures, I think it really helps them put us in the right context and, and understand that it's not just about, you know, developing a investment fund. We really are interested in, in having them as advisors in, in our programs. And that's been a really fun way to engage that population is to say, hey, you know, we understand that you may have a lot of money, but we're not too worried about that. We're really interested in what you have to say. And, and I think that resonates. Yeah. Now that you've been around uh, for, you know, a, a short while, but I imagine you're kind of looking long term what are you using as your metrics to say, yes, we've been successful or here's where we need to improve? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, it, you know, we're still working on that, trying to understand how we develop objective mechanisms um, to, to understanding that, you know, startups created is a, is a really big challenge. That's usually the metric that most tech transfer offices right. use. Um, we we love killing opportunities before they get to startups, and I know, I know that may sound funny, but you know it saves everybody blood, sweat, and tears. And if we have faculty members walking away saying, "Thank God they helped me kill that before we got started," um, so that I can do more impactful work here or there, or I can come up with a more savvy strategy the next time, that's really valuable. So you know we're still you trying know, to still figure out how we do that, and and it really does come down to sort of the engagements and the services that we're trying to provide and the workshops we're trying to provide. I think that's been a good metric to um, um, to really helping others understand what we're up to and how we're doing it and how we're sort of building for success. And there's, of course, always a challenge associated with that. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's tough being subjective in terms of our metric development. But we're, yeah, it's... Um, it's something we think about on a daily basis, really how to object, uh, objectify that. 
I, yeah, I would imagine so. Well, Steve, I really liked our conversation. I would love to catch up with you probably in like another five years and see, you know, where the changes have been, um, you know, what, what maybe what the metrics have evolved to be. Um, talk about where there were successes um, and where the failures were. And I, I couldn't agree more about the kind of killing early and killing often. <laughs> um, and, and, but at the same time, people uh, through that process um, of perhaps winding some things down saying, okay, now I know perhaps what I need to look at for, you know, for example, for market validation or for other areas to help me uh, perhaps be successful next time. So I think that our conversation actually today will help people a lot, but, you know, just looking at their, their own programs for starting them up. Yeah, I think your advice of, um, you know, uh, starting small and, and hiring really good people that, you know, uh, can help people, can help shepherd their faculty and researchers along because they've, you know, these other the people they're hiring have done it before is, is great advice. Um, and that, you know, the ideas of the metrics that they can be using early on to, see whether they, you know, how are we performing? Is this actually having the impact that we want it to have is, is really useful advice as well. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Yeah, of course, Kristen, it's been great. Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Look forward to talking with you again in the future then. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to another episode of Research Realized. Who else would you like to hear from on our program? please send an email to me at kleute at osagepartners.com. In the meantime, keep your eye on the goal of making an impact with those academic innovations.